Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Rusty Quill presents
The room we were supposed to hole up in was a hollow shell. A high and forgotten pocket in an abandoned apartment house that reeked of desolation. I could see the old nightmares where they still clung to the dusty furniture. The echoes of the night plague. Screams, secrets, and breathless silence frozen in the ether. Fossils of both dream and dreamer. And here we are! <laughs> Your new home away from home, where we can all gather and whisper and conspire. <laughs> Isaiah still wasn't looking at me. Moving to the window, he stared out over the city, his wrist naked where his fancy watch used to be. He must have left it back on Silk Street. Something for our mother. There were only the four of us now. Dollface and Tagus made for the shadows as soon as we were clear of the abandoned museum. For some reason, Kujus was still there, reverted into his unassuming human shape, smiling spiders at me from across the room. Is there a functioning car around here, besides Carface? And why would you want a car, Chief? There's a drop box for the night hand in Ipswich, along with an upload center. We need to get the lowdown on what the Esoterium's up to, how they're spinning the business at the Silentage. I've also got a few friends I can still trust. Might be able to reach out to them. Shouldn't we wait till we get word about whatever Gloomhest spies turn up? I'm going alone. Shouldn't take that long. Besides, I have a feeling if uh, you take one step out of the city, whoever or whatever the Esoterium has looking for us will make us in no time. Me? Why just me? My handlers always coordinated meets through pickup spots. It wasn't until you and I started traveling together that they seemed to know exactly where I was. I'm guessing they must have some psychometrist or another tracking you, using whatever imprinted objects they probably lifted from the sleep lab where you worked. The only times they could zero in on me was when they were close, like in the same building or whatever. But I think that's because they were reading the location for footprints, thermal signatures, that sort of thing. Now, I know for a fact that psychic trackers draw blanks whenever trying to read targets near New Vic. And since you took that detour, under the bed, you've probably been off the grid since Antarctica. But if you were to leave the city, you might pop back up on the radar. Okay, if that's the case, then how the hell am I ever going to leave the city? Besides, my time spent in the dim likely created so much psychic feedback within whatever objects they might be using. My signature is probably more than erased. Well, I'm not the expert on bioetherics you are, but the consortium took samples of your blood, remember? If those samples are still there, and an interested party finds them, it might make for a much stronger link, a harder tale to lose, so to speak. My brother, who seemed to be talking to me only out of necessity, was making some disturbing sense. While he wasn't saying it out loud, he had a decent enough grasp of my abilities to know how I might fix the problem. He just wanted me to come up with it on my own. <sighs> Drop down into the collective dream space of the city. Enter the Harrows. While the dim functioned like entropy upon the very fabric of collective consciousness, 
It was, by its very nature, not very focused. So he was right. My blood might let them pick up my scent once I left New Vic, but the harrows would be filled with much more focused psychic trauma. It would have a better chance at violently feeding back upon any psychometric mediums, which would more than do the trick of covering my tracks. Sounds more to me like someone's just trying to find an excuse to beat feet. What's the matter, killer? New Victoria too scary for the big bad insomniac? Maybe it's more a question of cleanliness. Unlike some of us, I'm not used to sleeping in places filled with roaches. Spiders, champ. Not roaches. But maybe you'd like to take a closer look, just to make sure. I don't think that's such a good idea, Kujis. Just ask the last spider I got close to. Isaiah's right. I need to be certain no one's got a bead on me. And how exactly, dear sister, do you intend to accomplish that? I need to make sure that whatever connection they might have to me is severed. Which means exposing myself to a mental presence powerful enough to do the job. Now, I have a feeling that even as someone who's lived in this city for more time than they care to recall, you two have a better idea of where the Harrows is most accessible. I certainly do! <laughs> I can get you there in three shakes of a piñatas! I'll take her. Just the two of us. It'll give me a chance to finally get to know my half-sister. Besides... I've got eyes all around the city, which will let us avoid any more unpleasant encounters with that blood-faced yes-man. Well then, it's settled. Now I just need a change of clothes and some wheels. I don't think you'll fit into anything of mine, <laughs> but I'm sure I can find something for you. And the city is just filled with cars, <laughs> so just follow me, my intrepid brother, and we'll have you ready for a night on the town in no time. <laughs> Fine by me. Let's go. Isaiah didn't so much as look at me on his way out, but I guess I couldn't blame him. It was just that every time he was out of eye shot, I wondered if I'd ever see him again. It was a safe bet that he felt the same. Um, at least it was before I accused him of being a murderer. I couldn't be sure if I wasn't just shifting the blame, but I really felt the city was to blame for that trying to turn me into my worst self, the part that wasn't human. Kujis was sitting on the wrecked couch that lined the far wall, peering at me from over the top of an old newspaper he was pretending to read, a few spiders crawling across its surface. <laughs> I wasn't about to let the monster get to me. Well, not the cleanest seat in the house, but it feels good to get off my feet. Smoke. Not my brand. 
So, tell me, most of the Marylings around here have pretty self-explanatory names. Where'd Kujus come from? The man of spiders folded the newspaper and set it aside. He leaned towards me, hands on his knees, eyes on the cusp of utter blackness. My mother gave it to me. She whispered, hissed it, into my skin, while I was swelling inside the rustling egg sac of her body. It's the hush of a spider's fangs gliding beneath soft, supple flesh. Didn't your mother name you Rosemary? I don't know. If she did, I don't remember. Unlike you, Sugar and Dollface, my memory's a little foggy when it comes to my birth. I take it that's not typical of the whole Marling experience? Can't say that I know. Not a topic that comes up much. We're generally busy with other things, if you get my drift. Although I can say I've never seen any of us brandishing one of those before. My Balak. Only the high and mighty Wakeless carry those. One of the perks of dwelling within his dream, deep down in the Harrows. But here you are, one of us, with that. Sorta upsets the apple cart, don't it? I didn't even know there was an apple cart till Sugar told me how the pecking order works around here. So, the infamous Man of Spiders is really just a... toady. In the eyes of the Wakeless, I mean. Not in the eyes of all the defenseless humans you pick on. That's what I like about you, Rosemary. You can read a room. You know just how far to go. Creep right up to the edge of the cliff without falling off. Just be careful you don't slip. It only takes the one time. And then it's all over. <laughs> Nobody told you, huh? What's that? I can fly. Watching New Vic vanish in the rear view made me feel about a hundred pounds lighter. Although, leaving Romy behind wasn't the easiest, especially considering where we left things. But there were moves that needed making if we had any hopes of outsmarting the Esoterium, if that was even possible. Somehow, in our brief time together, we'd managed to get on the wrong side of two bulges and the most powerful organization in the world, and our only allies in it all were nightmare demons and mechanical devils. Ah, oh, Christ, when you chop it up like that. Ugh. The road that wound out of New Vic was packed with derelict vehicles, civilian and military both. Hell, there were even a bunch of overturned tanks. Never underestimate the power of hysteria, I guess. Once I got a couple of miles out, the way started to clear up. The sight sorta gave me hope. I mean, if the Esoterium couldn't even manage guarded blockades to keep people out of the most dangerous city on the Earth, who knew, maybe we had a chance after all. <laughs> 
I had to reach the nearest decent town as soon as possible. In hindsight, keeping my charged suit would have been better than wearing the ill-assorted clothes Sugar found me, which were so stylistically at odds, they made my eyes spasm. There was no way I was doing what needed to get done while feeling so detached from myself. As I sped down a narrow road, the sky darkened, heavy with the threat of rain. Within minutes, a deluge hammered down, turning the dirt road into a quagmire. The car, not built for such conditions, slipped and slid before finally coming to a stop, tires hopelessly ensnared by the thick, greedy mud. The rain showed no signs of relenting, pelting the vehicle with a force that made me wonder if it would crack the windshield. And the wipers were all but useless. I couldn't see a damn thing. Resigned to my predicament, I grabbed the bug-out bag left behind by the car's previous owner, along with the umbrella Sugar had tossed in the back seat, an afterthought that now felt like a lifeline. I stepped out into the rain, the mud sucking at my soles. First rule of getting stranded in your vehicle? Don't stay in it. There's no better way to get snuffed than getting caught napping right out in the open. So whether I liked it or not, I was hoofing it into the woods to find a dry place to wait out the storm. Because I sure as hell wasn't going anywhere until it stopped. It was moments like these that reminded me just how useless my power was. Romy could fly over the forest to get where she wanted to go, dream shape a thicket into a log cabin till the storm passed, or just plain deflect the rain. All I could do was trudge through the muddy downpour until I found somewhere dry. Outside of a supernatural dust-up, I was just a guy with a couple of guns. Three, if you counted the nine milli. The car's owner must have had a high regard for books, which was good news for me. Nestled beneath the thick boughs of a downed pine tree, leaning against a rocky outcropping, I clicked on my pen light and perused the titles tucked away in the bag. I wondered if the poor sap had made it out of the city on foot. The fact that the bag had been left behind made that unlikely. As for the books, there were a couple of good ones. I plucked Walker Percy's Lancelot from the pile. I'd read it before, decent enough, even if the end was a bit on the uh, pretentious side. Without the calming hum of the drive, I needed the book to pin my mind down, keep it off my sister's words, her accusation, and the fact that I'd left her a new Vic. The latter concern I chalked up to overprotectiveness. She was just coming off slaying the Queen of the Carnivian. It was a safe bet she'd be fine without me for a day or so. The former concern was harder to shake. A lot harder.
I always found the easiest way of getting a tire out of the mud was to slip the car's floor mats underneath for traction. I was desperate to get going so I could snag a fresh set of clothes from somewhere. The only thing more uncomfortable than mismatched clothes is damp ones. When I heard a car racing down the road, I decided to stay put. My impromptu night in the woods had left me cold and miserable, and I wasn't in the mood for hiding. Besides, just one car in broad daylight tilted the odds in the revolver's favor. Before I could so much as open my mouth, a second, larger vehicle roared towards us. Some kind of jacked-up van. Alright, you two. Get down on your knees. Now! Now! Judging by the scene, a woman in a cheap car, no apparent knowledge of her pursuers, and a couple of armed hicks driving a van with big, fat tires. I guessed slavers. Probably made their bones by swiping strays from back roads and other lesser-traveled places. No one to stop them this side of New Vic. The upshot of the whole thing was the slavers probably had some decent gear in that big wagon of theirs. Radios, uplink codes, and who knew what else. Are you deaf, asshole? I said get down on the ground. Yeah, about that. The revolvers had seen some upgrades since last I'd used them on a normal human being. Guy's upper torso practically exploded. The second slaver was on his heels the instant I creamed his buddy, so I threw one in the air to get him to stop. That's about far enough, pal. Toss the hardware and stretch out on the ground. Oh my god! Look what you did to that man! You sound just like my old CO. Just, uh, wait in your car, will you? I might need your help in a second. Uh, okay. Okay, I will. Hey, shithead. Open up the back of the van. Yes, sir. I got the keys right here. Yep, just as I thought. Seven prisoners, bound and gagged, ranging from kids to an older couple. Looks like you boys have been busy. Too bad for you, today is uh, catch and release day. Once I got everybody situated in the two cars, I waited till they were out of eye shot to deal with the remaining slaver. I'd already screwed up by doing a guy with a revolver, and I sure as hell didn't need the woman spilling its description to anyone in the know. Though it was unlikely she'd go to the cops. Law enforcement out here was even sketchier than the um, metropolitan variety. But the woman was innocent. It wasn't her fault. And I didn't play that kind of cleanup, no matter what my sister might have thought. 
Listen, mister. If you can see past letting me go, I swear I... I should have done him with a 9 milli. Less of a mess. But it only had a few rounds left, and I couldn't have it running dry. Jackpot. Inside the van, I found radios, guns and ammo, a notepad filled with uplink codes. <laughs> there was even a pricey metro book, which I could use to remote access an uplink center. Guys must have worked for quite an outfit. All in all, the day was starting to look up. Not too shabby for a guy with just a couple of guns. The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld, and sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Be sure to check us out at www.maltopia.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. If you want unique art and animations of Maltopia's stories, visit our YouTube page or click on the link in the show notes. If you're a fan and want to help the show grow, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And for more exclusive content such as additional lore, stories, and art, be sure to check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia. 